Yeah, let's do an intro real quick. Let's Just, do it, do it, do it, do what's it. Up, what's up, what's up, what's up? What's, what's up, guys? Up, what's up, everybody? I am Peter. I'm here with... <laughs> Thomas. And... Annalyn. Nice. Wow, we got Annalyn was quick, straight. man. She's better than you She's are, She's so dude. much better than I am. That <laughs> took me like five <laughs> tries to get that one right, and you were just like, bam. Immediately on nice. it. Well, there's a third person here. Whoa. <laughs> 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 we have we have actually we've been on a roll with guests man we've been we've been guessing it up we've had several different people of all tribes and colors hang on i'm just gonna make sure <laughs> what of all tribes and colors all tribes all tribes just all tribes so on like kikuyu or something no <laughs> i don't know where are you from on i am originally from antwerp uh okay. lived See? there until i was tribes. 17 mm. okay all right. Born so, and bred in the same house. Oh, no. Nice. I mean, not actually born in that house, but oh, okay. still. <laughs> hey, these days, man, I mean, anything's possible. People Anything do is. people do the, the, the home births all the time. Hey, in the in the Netherlands, home birth is the standard. Really? Yeah. Like doing it at home is the standard? Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, the midwives, like going to the hospital and like is when stuff goes wrong. Really? Mm. Yeah. Why? Because their health care is so bad? Well, that's one element, <laughs> but they also just they do the midwife thing. They the the oh, yeah, lady okay. comes to the house and they doing do it the at thing. home. Yeah, all right. Yeah. yeah, you specifically. I remember you having this this conversation with me that you specifically did not want to do the home birth. No, because I just, think it's disrespectful to all the people I met in the field who are like begging for like a hospital setting when yeah. they birth their children. Yeah, and then I would actually have access to that somewhat almost free, and I'd be like, yeah. Nah, I get with it. With all of Ellen's medical history and true, all that stuff, true, true, like true. with all those factors combined, yeah. mm. there was no logical or moral or ethical reason yeah. for me personally yeah. to deny myself and your wife and my wife now the, here's, here's the medical support. The one thing that I find kind of funny—not funny, haha—about that, but kind of, um, it's <laughs> like you know how like in in like logical fallacies, right? When you have like a conversation with somebody and you're having an argument, and then like there's like you know the, the what is it the false straw man and stuff like that. Like it's the wrong ways of thinking about logic, and one of them is a whataboutism, right? Yeah. But you're doing like the reverse whataboutism. Yeah. <laughs> you're like using the whataboutism, but like against yourself. It's yeah. not like what about those guys? No, like no. if they can do it, we can. You're just no. doing it the other way around. It's yeah. like well, what about what about those people? Yeah. You know, it's like, well, cause, yeah. I, I mean, I get it. I get it. I'm just being, just being get, yeah, purely just, objective with the. We have the access to it. I mean, I just didn't want to take any risks. I guess that's what it comes down to. It's like, yeah, for sure. sometimes it just feels like a little bit unnecessary. Yeah. But that's also a cultural thing. Yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to have kids, Peter? The risk seems unnecessary. I, I, me personally, I am completely ambivalent and totally indifferent to having children. Okay. I, I I can't I, I I don't see any solidity in either way of <laughs> thinking. Like I can I can literally think in both directions. I'm just I I I I am I am honestly perfectly okay with with both. So I have no specific answer to that question. Okay. But I feel like you were going somewhere with no, that. No, just like if you would have a kid, would yeah. you want to have a home birth? Or like Yeah. Would you try yeah. and convince your girlfriend or wife to have a home birth or would you Feel more at home in a hospital. You're starting a shitstorm in Peter's brain right now. I'm just, I'm just all over the place because I mean, Tompy's, Tompy's way of, of thinking about it is is true. Like I get it. If there's so many people that are clamoring for for medical care, like proper medical care, and we have it pretty much for free, why would you deny that? But on the other hand, I totally understand the logic behind it. You're in a place where you're yeah. comfortable. You're in mm -hmm. a place where you know if you have a midwife 
who says, oh, this should be fine. Like, they're also professionally inclined to be like, your house is a fucking filth show. You should not birth a child here. Go to a hospital. But if a doctor or midwife says, like, yeah, okay, this is fine. This is clean. Like, we can do this. You know, I think they have the contingencies in place. So if my mm-hmm. wife or girlfriend or at the time would be like, I want to have a kid at home, I'd be like, all right, fine. Yeah. Let's do that. Let's like fill I, up the tub. I understand. I do understand, like, the idea the philosophy of the home birth and the bringing the child into the place that's not like this crazy white sterile thing yeah because we and we spoke about this in a previous podcast with a guest who is uh, anthropologically and sociologically trained Mm -hmm. Uh, and one of the things and he's now studying to be a a psychotherapist and he's a drug expert i mean he's just an academic monster yeah intellectual uh, but he was talking about this like philosophical idea um of like when you're born that it's an inherently traumatic experience for the child Mm -hmm. because you're going from like oneness with the mother to suddenly like this duality of existence there was the before and the now uh and i get that if you can ease that transition somehow by doing it in a setting that's like comfortable and homey and pleasant Mm -hmm. that maybe that trauma is a little less a little less. Yeah, because <laughs> childbirth is fucking violent. Yeah, it's <laughs> fucking crazy. It's so, Says like, the guy. But I, I just purely, I, I mean, it's true. It's true. Like, okay, let's mansplain this. Okay, let's, let's mansplain, mansplain birth. Let's mansplain birth. All right? like, I have to watch this shit. I have to be there at, and stay there. Look at, like, for all the, 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 the quote-unquote benefits that we have as humans, that our childbirth has to be so violent and destructive yeah it's weird i feel like we like we got right into it here like you guys have barely met yeah just (laughs) immediately we're talking about (laughs) childbirth and the violence and the home birthing and and mansplaining all right i guess we'll run the intro track now and then we'll actually start like i didn't even know we had started yet (laughs) oh but this is like our thing that's how we do it we just kind of go in and hit the record button But I'm gonna set this up a little bit. Okay. Yeah, do it. So Peter and I were on the phone late last night. Yeah. Peter called me. He's yeah. like, Thomas, like, I'm a little anxious. Like, yeah. um, we're talking to Annalene tomorrow, and I'm a little bit intimidated. Oh, I and I've done literally did not say any of those words, but <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Go ahead. And Keep I, it was the sentiment. It was the okay. sentiment. <laughs> uh, and he's like, I've done no research. Like, uh, you know, you went to Congo with her, but other than that, I know nothing. Yeah, that's it. That's, um, that's all I know. And I knew I knew from hearing about the, the Congo stories and stuff that because you from what I know, and this is this is the, the bare bones. I know that you are a journalist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know that you have worked or do work for the VRT, which is like have the worked, big yeah. have worked for the VRT, which is our big uh, national state television, public, which public broadcast, public broadcasting, service. calling it state television is it sounds immediately so Soviet. Immediately. Yeah. It's like, so like, it's just, All we do is propaganda. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's like immediately if you go into like, you know, but yeah, pu- public public broadcasting does sound better. Um, so I know that you've worked for the VRT as yeah. a journalist. I know that you accompanied Thomas to one of his trips to Congo. Yeah. But so, okay, so let's 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 consider this like a, a an introductory conversation. So, Annaline, so you said you were born in Antwerp, born yes. and raised in Antwerp. Um, and then what from there? So what year were you born in? I was born in 19. So Thomas and I are oh, the same, same age. age. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So I'm only old, two months about two months apart. Yeah. yeah. 
Okay. All right. We're both 30 now. Yeah. <gasps> Dude. Ugh. I'm on my way to 32, bro. I'm like, <laughs> it's fine, though. Like, I, f- I feel fine with 30. And then someone was saying, like, oh, yeah. And then it's 31 next time. I'm like, yeah, sure. That still sounds fine. And then 32. I'm like, yeah, sure. And then he got to 34. I'm like, no way. We're yeah. going <laughs> to yeah, yeah, yeah. have to stop you here. <laughs> like, 34 oh, is. Then, yeah. Then you start getting into it, man. Because then, then you're on your way to your 40s. And then, no. and then ugh, I had so. a really dark thought the other day. I was like, yeah. you know, now that I've turned 30, like if I die tomorrow, okay, it's a dark thought. Yeah. If I die tomorrow, people aren't going to be like, oh, he was so young. No. <laughs> <gasps> no, it's true. Right? Yeah, because if you die in your 20s, then you're, yeah. oh, so young. Yeah. But now it's just like, oh, like, well, he's oh, in he, his 30s. Like, he did. He did some <laughs> yeah. stuff. Like, and I, I remember being 27. And we're like, yeah. you know, if something terrible happens to me, <laughs> yeah. at least, at least I will be part of the 27-year-old <laughs> at club. At least, at least. Otis Redding and Jimmy yeah. and Amy Winehouse are just going to be waiting Chaplin. for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but then all the others, and then and then also you're still too young to be like, wow, they led a good life. You know, like yeah. if you're in your <laughs> 70s or your 80s, people are like, oh, well, you know, they, they at least, they've, they've lived a good life. They've yeah. done a lot of stuff, you know? But yeah, no, if yeah, it's true. It's true that that like mid-range from like 30, 40, 50s ish, mm-hmm. like age does not become relevant to to the cause of of death. Okay, wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, I Man, said it was a dark thought. It is. It, it is thought. the end of 2020. We are in collective depression, everybody. And so right. five minutes later, you know one more detail about me. <laughs> yeah, man. We've talked about birth and death. We've covered everything. There now. we okay. go. All right. We can wrap this up. All right, That's guys. All right, thanks. We'll uh, Patreon and the Squarespace. And the, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, let's. All right. So lean. born in Antwerp, 1990. Yep. Um, so you go to school in Antwerp, I'm assuming. Just classic schooling. Uh, yeah, I went to school not in a city. But in, okay. in like some villages more okay. I call like Buchhout, so it's it's kind sure. of an upper class neighborhood. Yeah. I had to bike for half an hour there. And uh I remember all my classmates be like, Wow, she's from like a working class <laughs> You're house. From the city. Like it's oh. it's 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 a righteous house. It's yeah, a, yeah. It's a house between others, and there's only one story. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, and then I switched uh, to Borsbeek, which was already more, more like uh, same, same background. Uh, and then I went to art school in the city of Antwerp. Oh, okay. And that was like yeah, it was Kaizu, I'm assuming. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah high school, but right. then focus uh, on the arts. Yeah, focus on the arts. Yeah. Because we talked about that in one of our one of our previous podcasts is like the in Belgium, like the leveling of school that like you have the 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 quote unquote general schooling and then yes. a level underneath that you have the quote unquote technical schooling. Yes. And then although I can't even really say a level underneath, just another level because they hammer so hard on the fact that here in Belgium, like one is not better than the other. Yeah, but but it's still perceived still, lesser. Yeah, it's definitely like if, if you if you Oof. can't make. Or like if you don't have good grades on your exams in yeah. general schooling, yeah. then they will consult you to go to technical oh, for sure. or t- to even go quote unquote lower than that yeah. and go to BSO, which, which, which is, is where I teach. I teach in in yes. so and I I see that these people. I've also seen the opposite end of that for kids who, for example, if they want to study uh, electricity or or carpentry. Um, that then immediately they are told by everybody from advisors at the school to the parents mm-hmm. to the teachers, like, are you sure you want to do that? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. Like if you, you if your do? grades are good enough, yeah. they're like, why would you do that? Right. I had I had to fight yeah. so hard with my parents to go to Kaizo. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, and then I was only allowed to because Kaizo, it's a little bit different. You have yeah. art education that is on the same level yeah. as general. You have right. art education that is on the same level as yeah. a technical uh, degree. And I was only allowed to because I had a degree that was on the same level as general oh, education, man. Yeah. which also meant that I had to go to school two hours longer than other people. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ellen wasn't allowed to. She asked oh, her yeah, parents but and they I were mean, like... I had to I had to cut up family pictures and stuff. I uh, I wrote yeah, like a super man. angry teenage yeah. letter to my dad <laughs> and then shoved it under this <laughs> bedroom door. <laughs> <laughs> I will go to art school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and especially when you're a teenager like you think you have it all figured out and you're like mm -hmm. so sure of what you want to do. Um but so so you you go to art school. Did you stu study a specific uh, area of arts like was it art history or was it no it's audiovisual uh, oh, yeah, okay. degree let's call it that and then we did have some art history we did have some like not performance art but just general art yeah. and then we had photography videography web design yeah. and audio i feel like all of those would be huge these days like i feel like like if you look at I know that TikTok gets a lot of shit, right? Like TikTok mm. and the reels on Instagram and stuff. For all the shit that they get, if you look at some of the some of the things that these kids make or some of these people make, it's actually pretty insane. Yeah, sometimes yeah. we're like, how did you do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's the success of TikTok is the how the platform has been made to create things yeah mm. right, uh, right it's really good at that yeah like that part of it is really good yeah mm. it's the chinese servers that we got to be worried about but that's yeah a whole know. nother story <laughs> we don't need to get into that right it was now. actually funny because like the first time i had heard of tiktok was from all the um the videos coming out of syria and iraq like all the guys fighting against isis like the kurds fighting against isis and all the free syrian army and stuff like they were all uploading their videos to tiktok oh really so all any time that i saw like like um on reddit or on the like you had subreddits about like Syrian civil war and combat footage, like all these mm. guys, they would upload all their stuff to TikTok. Oh, I so thought it was like Twitter or something. Some of them do Everywhere. Twitter, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but I would see, like, whenever I the saw TikTok, it was in one of those, the context yeah, of one of those yeah. videos. So when my students started talking about TikTok, I'm like, you guys watch war videos? Like, you guys watch, like, <laughs> combat footage and like, beheadings and stuff? Is that, you sure? They're like, no, it's like Snapchat, but it's like the new Snapchat. <laughs> <laughs> I have the same about Telegram. Like, we used uh, to monitor yeah. Telegram because of, like, uh, yeah terrorist activities right. and like try to right. get into the groups and and see what they were all talking about and then now all of my friends are using telegram yeah <laughs> like, yeah i've never I heard about telegram yeah but then also i don't know yeah I'm yeah, all, it's, yeah it's, it's weird it's weird true. i i almost ventured onto it just because i i had this like funny idea for a video but then i'm like no 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 i don't want to do it <laughs> i'm not i refuse i will not did you know you wanted to be a journalist when you were... No, I didn't. But thinking about it now, like all of the all of the assignments that we got, we, we got to give them our own, you know, meaning and, and, and choose how to do them. So we mm -hmm. would get a topic or something and then we'd have to do something about that. Like, I don't know, shadows or yeah. architecture or something. Uh, and looking at what I made, it's all documentary style. Oh, yeah. I wasn't big into like the very artsy fartsy, like super conceptual photography or videography. Like I would do it if I had to, yeah. but then I also would never be really good at it. Yeah, I def I can definitely relate to that. I had that experience as well, but that was like later. But yeah, I can relate yeah. to that for sure. 
So so you you kind of figured out later down the line that you wanted to tell stories. Yeah. So you start making all these documentaries about, or all these assignments are in like the context of documentaries. So for me, like a big part in my life, because I, 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 I'm confronted with it every year uh, with my students, is the kids that are about to, or the students that are about to finish high school, and then they're thrust into the quote-unquote real world, mm-hmm. like even though they're not at all thrust into the real world, but it's still this societal agreement that when you're 18, you're an adult and you're ready, you're you're ready to go. (laughs) Um, So then you come to the higher studies, I'm assuming. No, I actually took a break. I took a gap year. Um, My eldest brother is eight years Mm -hmm. older than I am. And uh, he was also never really like a good student. Mm -hmm. So I think after high school, he was just like, oh, I I need some time before I go into higher education. And then he went abroad for a year. Mm -hmm. And then my other brother, the middle middle one, he followed suit. And then it was my time. And my mom is very much like... If the guys can do it, then mm-hmm. she should be allowed to as well. Oh, yeah, okay. So I just went because I thought, you know, they do it. I'm right. going to do it. Yeah, like, fuck yeah. this. I don't want to go to college yet. <laughs> I don't know what to do with my That's life. so yeah. sensible. Yeah. 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 And I tell all my kids that, like, I have so many of my students that are like, sir, I don't know what I want to study next year. I'm like, then don't go study next year. Yeah. Go work. A sh- go travel if you have the money. And otherwise, you go do a shitty job. Just go go do a crappy job. Um, and do that until you figure out what you do want to do. Make a little bit of money on the side. If you figure out that you don't want to go study and you're good at your job, then keep doing the job for a while. Go study once you have it figured out, Um, which is why I'm also a huge proponent of not even necessarily military service, but just some kind of service service. to the community. Like in Germany. Right. Like you go feed the the homeless people or you go, you know, spend free time at the retirement homes or you're a garbage man for a year or, you know you do something that yeah like in germany like a social some mm-hmm. kind of a social year so what did you do for your gap year i went to bolivia oh oh yeah wow okay yeah yeah other side of the world yes 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 uh so both of my brothers went to a spanish-speaking country so mm-hmm. i also wanted to go because you know being the youngest right feeling a little bit left out sometimes I'm right like, what if they can talk Spanish to each other and then I go to Portuguese <laughs> yeah. or an Arabic country or like, I don't know. Um, <laughs> so my only concern was because be- even between my youngest brother, there's a four year gra- gap. So he's four years older than I am. Um, it was always clear that I would do it. So mm-hmm. I never had to think about what to study because right. I knew, I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm not going to be here. Right. Yeah. So the only thing that I asked on my application for, for that program was that they sent me somewhere where they speak Spanish, mm-hmm. but I was a little bit late in applying and then mm-hmm. They, they told me, like, you might not have a lot of options. Yeah. Uh, so they called me, and I remember I was walking down the stairs. Uh, my brothers and my mom and dad, they were watching television. I was walking down the stairs. They called me on my first cell phone. <laughs> like, what do you think about Bolivia? I'm like, oh, yeah, what is the other option? It's like... <laughs> The United States. I'm like, no, let's do, <laughs> let's <Yeah>. do Bolivia. <laughs> I remember coming downstairs, opening the door, going into the living room, and they're like, Johan, where is Bolivia? <laughs> and then we took out this old school atlas. <laughs> he actually yeah, had yeah. to show me where Bolivia was. Nice. Like, I had no idea. It could be anywhere. Hey, best way to learn, the man. world. If you gave best me an learn. empty map of Latin America, like South America. Yeah. I think I could rough. I don't know if I could pinpoint it. Like a no. map without the names. Yeah. 
Bolivia. I would give like a, a three country uh, zone. I'm yeah, thinking yeah, exactly. northwest, like uh, to to the to the left of Venezuela and Colombia. No, other direction. Uh, it's 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 actually <laughs> super central. Like you have the big oh yeah okay Brazil occupying yeah. most yeah. of the map, yeah. and then it's next to Brazil. It's oh, okay. it's a little down, like underneath Colombia. It's next to Peru, above oh, Argentina. Okay. Yeah. okay. I mean, they share a border with Argentina oh, and, and Paraguay oh, yeah. and uh, Brazil. Uh, My father Peru. is now walking around the house, very disappointed. Yeah, he's just he's just <laughs> he's doing his daily walk, and I know the face he's pulling as we're saying it's like left of Venezuela. <laughs> I can picture the exact face that he's making. I failed. Like, I failed. <laughs> My kids are not educated as and I teach geography. So okay, oh. let's move on to the next thing. <laughs> let's move on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you're how you're 17 18? yeah i was 17 at the time uh okay. turned 18 there uh and then obviously at that time you think that you're you're ready for all of for that for sure you think you got looking it all back out. it's like it was so dramatic not only because of me but also because kind of like the society uh in in bolivia but it yeah. was so educational oh for sure as well yeah okay, i had to grow up pretty yeah fast and then learn a whole new language now learn how say, to move around did you say dramatic or traumatic dramatic which kind of, of is both? the same okay. as dramatic <laughs> yeah yeah now what was it was it the culture or like the speed of things or the responsibilities for what you had to do or what was it that was so difficult or so tra slash dramatic I think I was so hellbent on integrating well yeah. that I only made Bolivian friends, uh, which was also needed because I needed yeah. to pick up the language. Mm -hmm. uh, when I got there, I was only able to say, hola, como estas? But Classic. then please don't respond because yeah, I right. don't know what right. you're saying. <laughs> um, I know that feeling. So so I like dove right into like teenage Bolivian culture mm -hmm. and then got a boyfriend and then... Um, had a host family, but they were going through a divorce. So it was a Ugh. little bit like Ooh. me on my own. And then with that boyfriend and in general, there's just a lot of alcoholism yeah. in Bolivia. There's a yeah. lot of poverty. There's a lot of health issues. There's mm -hmm. a lot of security issues, safety mm -hmm. issues. So, um, I, I was a little bit blind to the negative aspects and every society has ne negative For aspects, sure. but Absolutely. I would not see it yeah. because I was integrating yeah, and right. Bolivia yeah. was great. And you Bolivia like was the best. Yes. Yeah. And I was going to do this and yeah. I was going to like be victorious. Um, and in some way I was, because after three months I, I, I could hold conversations in Spanish mm -hmm. and wow. then... At the program, everybody was like, wow, you mm, are so fast. Yeah, you're going so fast. And all your friends are Bolivian. And like, that is something that we normally don't see. So mm -hmm. we like the fact that you don't hang around with expats. But because you're only integrating yourself into the culture, it's hard mm -hmm. to take a step back sometimes. Yeah. And be like, you know, maybe this part of the culture is not something that I should yeah, right. assimilate. Or right. maybe this is something that is actually wrong, like a mm -hmm. lot of sexual harassment yeah. uh, and double standards about boys and girls and their mm -hmm. rights. And at that time, I would not look at it critically. I was like, this is it. I mean, yeah. this is how they do it. So who am I to judge? And right. I guess it's also beautiful to look at it that way. Um, it's, go yeah. it's going native. Yeah. yeah. It's, yes. Yeah. yeah. But then... I came back to Belgium and then I went back to Bolivia and yeah. there were two and a half years in between. Yeah. 
And that is where I kind of like felt confronted with my own visions as well of the culture and of how things should look like. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's one of the big reasons we don't want to go or that we or at least I am apprehensive to go back to Tanzania, uh, for example. Yeah. Because when we lived in Tanzania, it was like such a, a, a romantic period, just purely in terms of like the paradise that we lived in and just the, the lack of responsibilities. And the that, age. Mm-hmm. Like and age. the age. Yeah. Just, you know, it was also teenage years. And, and and then also now if we go back, like I'm sure it would still be nice to see all those things and, and bring up the memories and all that stuff again. But um, like because when I started teaching, like the goal eventually was still to go to to international schools all around the world and stuff, which I'm kind of deviating from now. Might come back to it. I don't know. Um, but I was thinking about, you know, maybe going to Tanzania, going back to Tanzania to go teach at the school where we taught in. And then I kind of started thinking about it. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if that's yeah. the thing that I want to do. And, yeah. and, and, you know, it's yeah, you're, you're confronted with the image it's like and we were talking about that the other day it's like if you're in a long distance relationship or or like even friends of yours and you spend a long time apart you start remembering all the good times you had you mm-hmm. start remembering all the positives and the the beautiful aspects of it and then when you get back together you <laughs> realize like oh shit i don't remember that being that much of an issue yeah, or yeah, that yeah. much of a problem so then it becomes it becomes an issue so okay yeah. but i think it's different if you already have the mindset that some of the some of the things are going to be like a reverse yeah. culture shock or, yeah. or a little yeah. bit of a shock to your system yeah. then you already go into it with a different mindset like i just went back and like, and oh. why'd you go back? Like, what, so you you did the program, and then you came back to Belgium, and then you went back to Bolivia. Yeah, so I came back, started my studies, and then um, in the middle of the last year, I kind of made a deal with my teachers <laughs> that I was able to do my internship there, and then write my bachelor thesis as mm-hmm. well there. I was okay. I was gonna skip uh, the first deadline to hand it in. And then just present it in October. So I was able to stay there for like over half a year. Yeah. Nice. Um, was great, actually. That that time was like super, super well. Uh, again, like looking back, there's so many things, especially being in a relationship with, uh, with a Bolivian guy mm-hmm. uh, and him being brought up with this really like distorted view mm-hmm. of differences between men and women it's the macho uh mm. but still like at the time i i loved it uh came back just to pick up my degree mm-hmm. went back and then started working in bolivia uh and then stayed for i don't know yeah a couple of eight months or something okay uh so a while so like you spent you spent like what two years there in total yes. like everything together yeah okay not not nothing and especially if you're assimilating so fast that you can you know speak the language within three months it's it's the equivalent of being thrown in the deep end without the floaties and like here swim you yes. know so so yeah, that's, yeah that's gotta be that's gotta be a, yeah sh- a shock like just like not even just a shock like in whoa but like actually like a shock to your system like you know from going from hot water to cold water to hot water to i don't know i didn't perceive it at the time as a shock yeah. i think it was more shocking for me to come back to to belgium especially after the yeah. first time yeah uh, because i had this like super distorted vision of like how boys should treat girls and like it's yeah. super dramatic like teenage drama yeah combined with like the the latin like yes. the, the the whole because my my our parents talk, my mom talks about that yeah. a lot is that her friends in argentina now like she 
she does realize there's like this this there's this difference in the way they think about where yeah. a woman stands in society. Yes. And there's always exceptions yeah, to that. I mean, sure. I have Absolutely. I have very good Latin friends or or couples that I know that I might have been a little bit skeptical mm-hmm. skeptical about in the beginning, but that are just wonderful yeah. relationships or wonderful people that I can talk about uh, feminism with them or about yeah. anything really yeah. uh, about male privilege as well. Yeah. But like it. An example is that the little nephew of my then boyfriend, Christian, uh, he was encouraged by his mom to have three girlfriends at the same time. (laughs) Because, you know, you you never know which one is going to be better. Jeez. But then the the even his older sisters, uh, they were barely allowed outside of the house. Like they had to let their parents know where they were at all times. They weren't dating. They they were never like Mm -hmm. they weren't having sex. Like what? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. if your men are raised in the society that way, I'd like you'd be very protective of your, your <laughs> sure, daughters. Absolutely. Like, if the yeah, mothers are encouraging to have yeah. like three boyfriends, mm, that's a crazy Yeah. That's a crazy concept. Like that's yeah, a crazy yeah. imbalance. I mean, like, uh, again, this was this was my experience. I'm not yeah, saying that it's like the sure. overall experience, yeah, but that was the people that I was hanging out with. Yeah. 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 Anyway, you had segue. No, the the segue I had was um that Years after the Lynn's Bolivia story and our origin story, which our listeners are somewhat familiar with already, yeah. if you're not listening to our previous podcast, yeah. Um, Annalene and I met up, and she it was the first time with Annalene that I experienced the diplomat world as an outsider, mm-hmm. uh, and it was interesting. But I'll take us to like the starting point, yeah, yeah, because um, I, I wonder what how you what you mean, yeah. So there was, um and I've talked about this in the podcast, after Ellen's crash, mm-hmm. um, after the myendo surgery, well, El- not Ellen's crash, Ellen's like surgery and her uh, rehabilitation and my mental crash, mm-hmm. um, we had done a little bit of VR. The business was going really badly because its two main employees were kind of gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we started like putting out all these feelers and sending out all these like email, like these mailing things of like, this is the stuff we've done. And look mm-hmm. at all that. We told the story of the Syrian refugee boy yeah. who went to Finland and Omar and all this stuff. And, um, one of the people I, I sent it to, uh, that I always sent it to was Jürgen Wissenakis, uh, which is kind of the, the guy, the guy of Rudy Vranks. <laughs> he is the editor in chief of the Saturday program. So oh, we do a go. lot of things with Rudy. Okay. Yeah. But he has like his go to Saturday night program that he yeah. has to fill yeah. every week. Yeah. Yeah. So he's a, he's a, like at, in my idea at that point, like at the VRT, he was one of the guys I really wanted to reach because mm-hmm. this was in the Belgian or Flemish rather context mm-hmm. as a documentary maker. That's, you know, that's kind of the place where you want to go with your promotional material yeah mm-hmm. um and so we had sent out this thing and i because mailings you can see who reads them so i kept seeing he was reading them and i was like this is i gotta keep this thing alive mm-hmm. um and then i think you sent me an email yeah yeah um and you guys were setting up a production a vr production in congo for the africa museum yes true I don't actually remember how Jeroen and I started 
connecting the dots. Yeah. Maybe he had already mentioned something like, oh, this is a nice showreel or blah, yeah. blah. And then in the end it was like, oh, they do VR. And we were asked to do v VR, but we had never done mm -hmm. anything elaborate. We had a small Samsung 360 yeah. Yeah. Uh, camera that, you know, sometimes when Rudy was abroad, uh, he would put on a Lebanese funeral. I think we've done, mm -hmm. we've done, we've put it in in a refugee camp. Uh, but it's not something with a storyline and scenes and mm -hmm. very complicated or high end quality. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And to that, you brought different hardware, slightly different hardware. Well, we were, yeah. I remember we were actually talking when we were first talking. We were still talking about possibly using the Nokia Ozo. Yes, uh, which was Nokia's like sixty thousand mm -hmm. dollar cinematic VR camera, which mm -hmm. has been discontinued and not it doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, um, but that was the camera we had used in the previous production with Omar's story mm -hmm. of going from Syria to Finland. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was we. I remember like meeting you. For, I was so intimidated. I was like, this is like Swedish <laughs> really Franks's people. Like they're emailing me, and now I gotta go to the VRT. I gotta go. I walk. You walk under the tower, and you're like, yeah. oh my god. Yeah. And Yeruna I had met before, and I'd I'd met Rudy a couple of times mm. before because I had met him in Tanzania with my dad. We had had dinner at Seacliff. Mm -hmm. It's really weird. Dad was like, you gotta meet this guy. Like, he, and this is when I had already <laughs> decided I wanted to do film. So yeah. Dad was absolutely right. Yeah. That was one of those times when. However much I complain about the diplomat life and like meeting, you have to meet this yeah, person. However resistant I am against it, that was one time when he was spot on. Yeah. Um, and so then I came to the VRT and Jeroen and Annalene, you guys are sitting there, and I was like, oh fuck, I gotta gotta make a good ass <laughs> impression. Like I gotta be on my game. But I had prepared everything like with Ellen, because Ellen was there too, and I did come into this really prepared. I was like, I really. I really wanted it. Yeah. And I knew I had some disadvantages. Um, I knew my French sucks, as Annalene found out very quickly when we landed <laughs> yes. in Congo. I kind of fandangled my <laughs> way around that conversation. <laughs> he didn't say he sucked before we left. He's like, it's basic knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> I can understand which, a conversation. Yeah, which was already like a slight overstatement. <laughs> like, I'm not yes. good at the language was an overstatement. <laughs> but this, like... Okay, but I had, and the other thing um, that I did that I also had against me and that I understood as well was like the, um, the diversity of the team. Like we had a, a production that was going to happen in Congo mm -hmm. um, and it was for the Africa Museum. Um, and I'm just, I'm just some like Belgian white kid. Yeah. Uh, like what am I like? And I had had experience shooting in Congo before, mm -hmm. but if you can find a, if you have a Congolese person or something who can do that, that's probably probably yeah. a better yeah knows the in and uh, outs of the of the local area yeah and but then because there was a time frame that was short, they were looking for team members. We filled the team, and it was me and Annalene. We got on the flight yes. and we flew to Congo, and it was interesting because the whole lead up to the plane, I was c still intimidated. Like, even at the airport before we boarded the plane. Because you and I had only, like, we had met a couple times, and we did, like, all the gear preparation and yes. all this stuff. Um, I still have the picture of us with our big bags oh, really? on, uh, yeah, <laughs> on, on, on at our office, really, like, at our desks. Nice. Like, huge bags. Yeah. And then Rudy and Jan, who's our sound guy, uh, were supposed to travel a week later and, right. and come meet us. And uh, and do the production together, but then they they bailed on us. 
things happened. <laughs> things a lot happened. of things transpired. <laughs> All and, of a sudden, it was uh, just two, yeah, two <laughs> young kids, Murphy basically. Up. <laughs> yeah. But that was the thing is like, because I never thought of you as being born in 1990 when I first met you. I was like, these are the the Rudy Franks <laughs> people. These are like the experienced, like these are the older folk. I'm yeah. just like a young un. Yeah. Like, <laughs> And I then, am always the Benjamin. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then we showed up on the, and then we got to the airport and we got on the plane and we started talking and we started realizing like we were both born in 1990, like, like these life paths and experiences have brought us to a pretty similar way of like thinking about the world. And like, um, and I felt like on that plane ride, we were already, and I warned you for my horrible French on the plane ride. I, uh, yeah. Only yeah, when yeah. we got on the plane did I do that. Um, but then, and then we started the Congolese production. Yes. Um, the Democratic Republic of Congo, if you want to be technically correct. Sure. Um, but so we landed in Kinshasa. And there's this little detail of when we landed in Kinshasa that I just want to, and it's this thing that Annalene knows about because it's happened on future productions as well. We got out, we got out the, um, at the airport, we got out of the, that actually went, I don't remember that being bad at all. We got all no. our bags, we had all our stuff, yeah. got in the car. Went because the, we had that guy there who was waiting yeah, for us. True. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we had we had a driver Mm-hmm. but who was connected to the Belgian diplomatic scene as well. Yeah. Um, that was some of the support that they were giving us for our documentary. Yeah. And uh, he knew all the ins and outs and like how to get your gear through customs and yeah. without too many questions asked. And yeah. um, that was just a big help knowing that, you know, on the other side of the door, there's somebody waiting for you and yeah. figuring everything out with you. For yeah, sure. exactly. And those, and those, they were all from Annabelle, right? Yeah. They were all from Enabel. Um which is like the Belgian uh, Development Technical Corporation. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, organization. Like the BTC, like the. Yes, uh, it's, it is BTC. Oh, They've okay. just gotten a new name. Oh, okay. Is it Enabel or Enable? Uh, yeah, I don't know. All the all the people from Berthold Sazaka listening to this podcast because there are a few uh-huh. that you guys can clarify it up because it's been confusing as hell. Please do. Um, yeah, send us an yeah. email at larryandmonkeyslaw at gmail.com. There you go. And or uh, comment on Facebook, and we'll address it in the in the future podcast yeah. or like slot it in in a, like a little side note. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, but so anyway, the little detail it was an omen. It was an omen for the trip three weeks in Congo. Uh, we were getting out of the the little shuttle car thing that took us to the hotel. And we get, like, you know, the schlep. You're taking out the bags and the camera oh, bag the and all that stuff. And yep. You do. You yeah. have it with music gear, but you get it. I it's do. A, 100%. Um, and we get to the lobby of the hotel, and I realize, like, my earbuds, the Bose ones, the Aww. nice ones, <laughs> I lose, I've lost the little rubber thing that fits it oh, into my ear nicely. Man. And I'm about to go three weeks into Congo with one earbud. And I was like, oh, fuck this. Like, I was like, worst start of a production. And like, and then the little earbud, and I'm like, no. So I go, I go outside the hotel and I start wandering the street. I'm like, it's going to be here somewhere. (laughs) I find the fucking earbud. It had just like in the schlep at the car, it had like hooked onto something and fallen down. And that, that was an omen. In both the positive and the negative sense of like <laughs> yeah. that whole production was like it was things will happen. Things will go wrong as fuck. But it will be okay. But as long as we have faith. Yeah. 
in you know ourselves and each other and Stay Jesus calm. it <laughs> will be fine and, and Jesus yeah a little bit of Jesus always need a little bit of Jesus nah. uh, <laughs> or your your denominational prophet of choice but go ahead yes um, and but then I've talked about this a little bit before and that's why I wanted to have you on the show so badly on Elaine is like we got to Congo and it was as every experience particularly film production experience I've had in Congo I've done two three-week stints and they've both been the same is like from the moment you land things start going wrong um and I remember things went wrong pretty quickly when we yes, met up with first our day. first character yep. the first day yeah the first day in the Facebook cafe that was so that weird. That was so weird. It was a cafe and the, the interior design and like all the colors and the whole setup looked like you actually entered Facebook. <laughs> wow. Like it was a physical bright place. Blue and yes. And like the menu. I mean, there were also like the big F logos. everywhere yeah, and yeah. logos. And it was so weird. Damn. Uh, yeah. But she was a pretty big character because she was going to open the story. Yeah. yeah. This was the cab driver, right? Yeah. The, the, female, the female cab, cab driver. driver. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and we had had contact with her yeah. and she seemed very nice and excited to meet us. And then somehow, I guess, people talked her into um, that she should get paid for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, hey, but this is OK. I mean. But now we're going to get right into the weeds because this was the thing on the plane with Annalene. She was saying to me, we're not going to pay anyone for stories. I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. I feel like I mean you know you can get you can give it to them you can like, you we can afford it we can you know if no but that's not the question a, the question is once you taint a story yeah. with money yeah oh how you is, mean that that way okay how is the story gonna be yeah. exaggerated maybe made up but I guess that's also that's also like depending on what you want to achieve right because you I know you work for VRT so and we've talked about this in the podcast before is that the 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 stories tend to be more like straightforward and factual like here this these are the events but if you're looking for like something a little bit more embellished a little bit more pretty a little bit more not factually inaccurate but more subjective like we were talking Mm -hmm. about in a previous podcast like if there's a tall dude you know in the 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 journalist is going to say he's exactly this tall and then if you're trying to tell the story you're just like this dude was a fucking giant you know (laughs) there's a difference in in what you want to what you want to tell so i I don't know if i i mean maybe it's just me i'm also not in that world at all so i don't i don't you know i have i don't have a a, a horse in this race but and i think support or supporting people and empowering people can take so many different directions and different directions than money for example when we filmed with the street children Mm -hmm. they all got soda and food from us yeah but this was not like something that we agreed upon beforehand Mm -hmm. so it's more like you know we are filming yeah and we are giving this because we want to give it and we want to support you in a different way that is not financial it's 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 respect yeah we already filmed some parts with modestine who's a female boxer Mm -hmm. and that was going great and we were building great report Mm -hmm. and then we went and bought some boxing yeah. gloves to cool. be shared with the whole yeah. boxing club. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's not that if her story wasn't good or if she was not as nice of a person that as she is, mm-hmm. that she wouldn't have gotten these things. But it's yeah. just different. Like yeah. the, the the female taxi driver, she started with demanding two hundred US dollars. Yeah. yeah, she had like a day rate or a, like a that thing, is yeah. different. Like I cash. am. 
I would have paid for your gas. And yeah. maybe we could have even agreed on it beforehand, like mm -hmm. preferably not, because then it just feels a little bit different. But I'm fine if that is your situation that you need to be sure that yeah. the gas money yeah. is going to get paid. Like, I totally understand that. But that's different than saying my day rate yeah, is. Yeah, give me cash. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's different. We could also have discussed, like, you know, normally in this amount of time, I pick up so many clients. Mm -hmm. I will not work today. That is just right. a different conversation. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. That, and that's what I think it that's what I think it boils down to in, in the context of a place like Congo. There's just been like this um, this um, habit has been created of, you know, the expat person coming in mm -hmm. and dishing out the cash uh, yeah. for whatever you're doing. Like, be it like you're there to, to do a UN job or you're there to do a whatever job. Like, that's the culture that's been created there for mm -hmm. decades now, yeah. centuries. Yeah. Well, I mean, looking um, at it from a Congolese perspective, like... Can you blame them? No, no, no. That's, <laughs> and that's, that's exactly yeah. what I'm saying is yeah. that that's it's just the context that we were functioning in, and that's and that we landed in, and mm. that I find like this was the thing that I always say about my Congo experience is that you, Annaline, um, in your role in that production, uh, did something that I am I will eternally be impressed by uh, is to manage a three week long production in that place, and I'm gonna say it as well as a woman. Because in that culture, again, in the context and in that culture, yeah. you know, managing that as a woman is not easy yeah. um, because it's a very, very male dominant culture. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think what helped us as well is that we did a lot of female centered stories. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that was an advantage to have yeah. me on board because like all the, all the women that we talked to, they were generally happy. Yeah. Yeah. Like just genuine happiness to be talking to women from yeah. a different country yeah. i think it would be also a different power imbalance yeah. with yeah. a white male guy yeah. not saying that i don't have privilege i have tons of privilege mm. but it's still different perception yeah yeah it is it's true it is but so like we landed in the taxi driver, and the problem that the taxi driver like for the listeners who maybe aren't like in the like, journalism documentary space like the problem with losing a character like that is that it's she's like a, a connector to yeah. all the stories yeah. because she drives around the city yeah. so you can so metaphorically it, and literally yes, it yeah. has so yeah. much symbolism yeah. it was yeah and i remember <laughs> like that was like i remember going back to the hotel room that night you were really, re really disappointed. Yeah. Uh, I was. She was. We we were supposed to film her the next day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like without her, we also just had kind of a lost day. Like yeah. if you're not filming yeah. and yeah. you're paying for like a driver and a hotel and your food and like, mm -hmm. it's it's costing money. But also yeah. you're gonna have to make up for that day like yeah, where yeah. are you gonna find someone and then film it as well yeah, yeah, yeah we, i was very disappointed but i do remember like that going back to the hotel room that night and being like oh fuck it's gonna be another one of these congo experiences yeah. <laughs> for fuck's sake like i i'd already like before we went to congo when i left congo the first time two years earlier and it was me and this other woman uh a, a producer hannah um and we both had the same sentiment because we were just like 
fuck this place, yeah. man. Like and so much had gone wrong that time. And it wasn't it wasn't even to the country because the country's beautiful. The people the country are, is beautiful and yeah. the people as well. The people are really nice. Like I love that part of the world. Like I love the people there. They're so like I love the mentality and all that stuff. But it was mm-hmm. the experience that I was more like mad about. I was just like everything's gone. That was a, a time when we didn't come home with what we came home with after yeah. our three weeks. We didn't yeah. have what we needed. Yeah. Which is always such a it's frustrating feeling especially when horrible. you know it when you're leaving it's horrible because when you're leaving you're supposed to be like ah oh, we're gonna have a couple beers it's been a good adventure <laughs> like yeah. i've got my footage i can't yeah. wait to edit but now i was like oh fuck what am i gonna do in the edit yeah. like what am, how am i gonna save this and especially because the amount um, of work to the product yeah like, yeah because it's funny because you were talking about um like the second you get to Congo, things just start going wrong. Yeah. Like I've never, for all of my concerts, there's never been a concert in any of my bands in any of my entire life where I show up at the venue and there are not immediately problems to solve. Yeah, yeah. It'll be a cable that mm. doesn't work or it'll be a sound engineer that doesn't know what he's doing or it'll be like a problem with the car. Or it'll be a thing. But I, I, at the end of it, even if it's been shitty, like, at least I still got to be on stage. I still got to do the show. Even if there's no audience there, like, I still get to play music for a yeah. little while. Mm. But for you guys, like, the end point is not the end of the production. For me, the end point is once I finish that last note, the last song is over. Like, for me, it's done. I still got to clean up and go home. But then it's done for me. Yeah. You guys still have the whole second yes. half to do. So yeah, if yeah. that front end has not been loaded up with all the seedlings and all the material that you need in order to do that second part... I feel like it gets, uh, yeah, it, it must be, because then it's like, it's like, th- yeah, yeah, and we were going to be there for three weeks yeah. and our schedule was packed. Yeah, really, It was yeah. so packed and everything was interconnected. Like, if you don't have your first day, yeah, you risk losing all the other yeah. days. Dominoes. Yeah. And I even yeah. like tried to prep for this. I mean, you know that things are going to get yeah. messy and yeah. things are going to get like, yeah, just yeah. they, they will go wrong. Yeah. So, um, I thought the tropics were going to be the difficult part where we wouldn't have yeah. enough electricity, where yeah. we had to place our camera in a wooden canoe. Like, yeah. Yeah. what if it starts raining? What if it <laughs> falls? It yeah. will fall. Oh, my God, yeah. we're going to tip over. Um, yeah, and to unpleasant. be honest, the cab driver was supposed to be the easy entry because yeah. we had already established contact. Mm-hmm. We knew where she was. There was like a set time and date to meet and everything was mm-hmm. talked about and yes. and and also like <laughs> the type of footage that we needed from her was mm-hmm. just I mean it was very feasible yeah it was just we, we m- mounted the camera in <laughs> yes. the in the taxi and she drives around yeah we, yeah. we had that sketches was like, that, that was, was <laughs> like for the rest we mostly didn't know who we were actually gonna talk to no. yeah yeah I guess she was logistical as well like she was the one gonna be driving you around uh, not so much because oh, we, okay. we yeah we had we had a guy oh, okay. uh, right. Jean Pascal was that him was he in Kinshasa right? yes because oh, the other yeah. is GP Jean Pierre oh yeah you're right you're right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, who was the like the Kinshasa driver was also also yeah a wonderful person yeah. mm-hmm. yeah. he was so wonderful they were really I mean the support we had from Annabelle there was amazing yeah really amazing yeah very good local knowledge very good yeah. just like open for changes as well yeah flexible (laughs) yeah god knows you need that in congo yeah because then was it the next day that we then went to go some random shots in the city that we did end up using but Mm -hmm. we're like okay you know we cannot do what we were supposed to do so we need to find a plan b yeah 
And then we will also shoot some footage from the city because you always need that. B-roll. 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 Sure. (laughs) So the driver was just like, because we don't know the city. We're like, just take us around. (laughs) Around Kinshasa. And, uh, and, And what can we do to... To change, you know, the yeah. story, and then we found some sapeurs. Yeah, and he just he just walked the streets with us, like yeah. we're gonna find some random sapeurs, and then ask them to like what groups are like popular now, and yeah. who belongs together, and where they hang out, and what we can film. And in the end, we we did still have a very good introduction. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's a lot of that credit goes to you. Like, uh, it's the your ability to like shift and change direction and tack and uh, like that's i was just losing my mind i was just like what the <laughs> fuck is the shot like where is the shot i don't know where the shot is you're more like the you top you're more like the camera guy you you, you want the shots yeah I, i'm a, and you i'm know? control freakish like yeah. i want to and you want that in a person who's doing that job but yeah. i it's mm. yeah it's not but i remember then we got to because we only did the first. We only did a few days in Kinshasa to start with. We only two had two days. days. Yeah, and then we needed to take a plane to uh, Kisangani. Kisangani, and then we went to that hotel in Kisangani, with the the little like, bungalow the little thingies, bungalow yeah. houses, and the really the the pool that you would get really sick in if you went swimming in that. But the know. really good samosas. Really good samosas. Oh, really yeah. good samosas. But we'll, but we'll get into that. Yeah. The good samosas. Good. Okay, we'll get into it. In a second. <laughs> uh, but I remember this. So we went to we then we went to Kisangani, and I think we had a day or two in Kisangani as well to prepare to go up. Just the river, one or one Just day. Just one day. Yeah. Yeah. And so then we were like gathering the stuff to go upriver, talking to the guy with the boat, like, can we install a plank here yes, in this part yes. of the boat? And like doing all that logistical stuff. Um, but I remember that night we had a, a moment where the switch, and I've had this in, and I love it when this happens because it's the moment in productions when you when you decide that to embrace the chaos. Yes. Um, I think up until that point, I was still really in like a managing mode. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, we do not have the taxi driver. Yeah. So we will do this to fill our time. And then we will f- start looking for a B plan. Yeah. And then we go to Kisangani. And then, you know, everything very practical. Like, okay, we need you to do these improvements to mm-hmm. the canoe. And then we, yeah. we shot some uh, footage with Melissa in the, in the port, right. in the yeah. harbor. So everything was still like, there were all these little things that needed to be fixed, but we yeah. fixed it and it was a very like focused mindset. Mm-hmm. But it was also a little bit, it was a little bit unpleasant, right? Those first few days, like yes. it was like, it was like, what the fuck is going on? Like, why is, why yeah, is this you, you, so much? You yeah. feel everything slipping through your fingers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No plan yeah. survives first contact. And then we found out that we were going to leave very early in the morning at six mm-hmm. o'clock in the morning with the canoe. Um, and we found out around 10 at night or something mm-hmm. that there was going to be a storm. Oh, yeah. So yeah, there was going to be rain. And it was and dry season. Like, yeah. Yeah, like, how? It's not supposed to happen. <laughs> not supposed to rain. That's what the rainy season is for. Um, and yeah. this is a camera just so people know that. Like VR cameras cannot get wet. Like they no. just even if the the housing of the camera can take it. Like if you have a drop on your lens, your stitching can get messed yeah. up. You can yeah. completely lose like your character because a drop on the lens mm-hmm. means yeah. you lose your sight. So yeah. Yep. Um, and it's also very uncomfortable when you're watching in a VR yeah. lens and like yeah. <laughs> half yeah, yeah, of yeah, your yeah. image is just a drop of 
water. That's yeah. true. Yeah, that's true. But yeah. I remember then you went out to get like these like garbage can. Like so it was plastic. already super late at night. It was so late at night. And it was also dark and our driver had gone home. Yeah. yeah. So I just start running through the city, oh, a little yeah. city town that I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and all I have is a shit ton of money. Yeah. Sure. Good idea to run yeah, around at night wow. with it. <laughs> and my phone also good idea to run around with it. But yeah. I needed it to be able to get back to the place. Yeah. Yeah. I just start talking to people like... Is there a supermarket that is still open? No. Is the market still open? No. Mm -hmm. Where are the market people actually living? Where mm -hmm. are they keeping their stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and in the end, Damn. I find this garage box. Uh, and, and a guy, uh, yeah, put, putting all his produce in it. Yeah. Uh, and he has some, like, Tupperware-like uh, big boxes and... Uh, I end up buying a big tub, <laughs> like a garbage tub. And that yeah. was the only thing that seemed even remotely interesting yeah. or possible yeah. to save us. We and can put it over the camera when yeah, it like rains, right? It, that was like the idea. If we cannot film, we will at least be able to keep the camera yeah, protect dry. The camera. And yeah. then we would have another scene that we would need a plan B for. But, yeah, yeah. but at least, at least we would able to get there completely fine and then we we also got like an umbrella yeah not an umbrella but the sun like a, thing yeah what like is a that a parasol what's that do you know what that's called then? um like no. one of those big umbrellas like that you sunshade. have like a, like a patio yeah. umbrella yeah. like a uh, yeah. yeah 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 just an umbrella yeah. big big umbrella yeah a big yeah, umbrella big <laughs> colorful yeah. nice like a typical 90s yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> beach beach yeah. thingy like a fanta commercial or something uh -huh. yeah, yeah. Uh, so we also got that from the hotel. They they gave it with us. Uh, and we promised to bring it back, which we did. We did. And uh, I remember then, because we were also filming behind the scenes stuff, and yeah. we set up this little scene where we were explaining what we were about to do. <laughs> and it was in that moment, and it's on camera, it was in that moment that Annalena and I saw how ridiculous yeah. it was <laughs> what we were trying to do. <laughs> and it was in that exact moment that we just started taking it like... It's not that we took it less seriously. We took ourselves less seriously. Yes. Like we were just like, you know, fuck it. Yeah. We know we're going to do everything we can. Yeah. So yeah. there's no point in getting like mad at ourselves or at each other that this is all going crazy wrong yeah, right. or that this uh -huh. is chaos. Right. But we're just going to embrace it. Yeah. yeah. And from yeah. that moment on, like, I'm not going to say like it was smooth sailing by any means, but at least we weren't like, like we I, I feel like from that point on, it just, it went. It, it was just fucking, went. it was yeah. golf. Cause yes. the harder you try in golf, the less good you do. Yeah. So there's just, once there's a moment of, of, of like Zen of the yeah. like uh -huh. home when you're just like, all right, well, fuck it. Like, I mean, the avalanche is coming. The wave is coming. Yeah. I might as well just, you know, ride it out and do the best yes. I can at the situation. And the first thing that happened was that we didn't have a storm the next day. Yeah. Yeah. There the next go. day we got on the boats, there prepared for the wildest, crazy thing, and everything went amazing. Amazing. Yeah. And this was like, this is like the level of like complexity in this, like in this part of the production was again, on a lane, like, like I looked like a little MacGyver, mm -hmm. a little female MacGyver, because I took out my, 
my back and I had yeah. zip ties, duct tape, normal rope, bigger rope. Yeah. Um, we had walkie-talkies to communicate medical with each supplies. other. Medical supplies. Yeah. Medical supplies. There was everything. everything. There was gloves. There was, there was so much. And there uh, was two. And so we were going with upriver we had to like it was four hours or something it was upriver yeah i think i think they told us it was four but it ended up being six yeah wow and just the in the sun like yeah no cover for the sun so you're just like putting your like hat but whatever but like first we started like filming and there was the two pirogues like the two Mm -hmm. canoes just going up river and we were like we were walkie talking with because the camera was on one boat with um with our character what was she melissa melissa um very nice person yeah and really good on camera yeah um and she like we were communicating with her like okay now you got to do this thing and now you got to do the thing about the fish and now uh-huh. we got to talk to the boat driver and he's got to do the thing but like and in the mean and sometimes like connecting to make sure like the camera the image is still good and then mm-hmm. like when mm-hmm. the two boats would come together like the waves would like go up a little and like the water would be splashing around <laughs> oh the, camera, God, the, camera, the camera like losing her shit uh but then got all the shots and started going up river and it was one of the one of the coolest things that i've experienced uh was going up the congo river like for six hours and then mm-hmm. you get to this place in yangambi which Annalena had told me about and i'd seen photos mm-hmm. and like we'd done all that per- yeah. but like seeing it on paper but then like showing up to this place it's this old um belgian like it started off as like a research yeah like it's a, a research uh, facility climate. on agriculture yeah. and tropical agriculture yeah. like yeah. how to improve the productivity yeah. of the crops that they were yeah. Uh, planting yeah because tropical soil especially rainforest soil is not good to grow crops in no yeah. like, but it, but it was a research facility yeah. for like the bigger region yeah. even not right, just right, the tropics right. yeah uh so a lot of research around bananas for example yeah yeah so yangambi was apparently uh is apparently a place where they still have because we've i think we've talked about this in a previous episode mm-hmm. um you know how like all bananas are the same banana and yeah, it's yeah. like we have one thing that'll kill it yangambi still has the other bananas the old school like the big the big ones yes. like the flat roundy yeah, yeah. yeah. it's yeah. why banana candies taste different yeah. like the the like when you eat like orange candies they mm-hmm. taste like orange a little bit yeah barely but strawberry tastes a little bit like strawberry banana apparently i don't eat the bananas but they have a <laughs> completely different taste because the taste the artificial taste quote unquote is based on i guess those old the bananas, older the bananas. older yeah sweeter bigger but so you're showing up to this place it's this like it's kind it's not really you can't really say it's abandoned there's like big parts of it that are abandoned yes big parts of it are abandoned and you should really envision like 30s to 50s architecture Mm -hmm. so it's super grand yeah there it used to also house 400 belgian researchers plus the local yeah researchers and local staff and and, and local people that also just came to live there because there were job opportunities and stuff um i mean i remember seeing footage from from like the the you showed me like the pictures like but if you just imagine like a big hospital from like you know your average hospital but it's just sitting in the jungle but and the weird thing was that like and this i learned later was that it also became like this this recreation vacation place for like the colonials yeah. at the time the mm-hmm. belgian yeah. colonials so like there was there was like a, a mini golf 
Thing. Yeah, and, like and a, there was a, a villa with a cinema and, and, a, and oh, a swimming pool, a swimming and, pool. Um, bowling, bowling, like yeah, all bowling this weird. Lanes. Like you're like, what the fuck? Like, yeah, like where leisure. am I? Like, what is this? <laughs> and I also learned interestingly that my great uncle uh, Fons Robrechts, mm-hmm. who was one of the first, because he did it like on film, and he was, but I think he was one of the first. Yeah, uh, but he was he went to Yangambi when they opened up like the recreational part of it. Um, So he was there filming that on like 35 millimeter, probably 16 millimeter film. And now we were going (laughs) into that place with like 360 VR (laughs) camera to capture it. So for me, it was also like a, it was like, this was a full circle thing of like, holy shit, like this is going to come all the way around. That's Um, awesome. And those parts were really abandoned. Like the swimming pool is just it's i guess it would be an ideal spot for urban xing as well like yeah. urban X ultimate photography urbex. yeah <laughs> but I, I, I don't know it had something sad but also mm-hmm. vulgar at the same time like yeah. sad that it's yeah. that it's not as it used to be architecturally speaking yeah. but then also really wrong that it was at some point yeah. this yeah. very unequal place like yeah. i don't think yeah inequality could have been bigger in any other part no no and also if you consider it in the times you know like the when it when it was created we were still full-on colonial yes you know you had you had the 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 belgians coming in and you know you you like fuck assimilation like i'm i'm the (laughs) the colonial guy i'm gonna i'm gonna bring my mini golf i'm gonna bring my bowling i'm gonna bring my movies i want to watch gone with the wind when i'm leisuring on the banks of the congo river like fuck off with your equality so and to give you the full details like it's in a dilapidated state but there's like you know in the building there's like you know a mom with like five kids like with a little sheet yeah yeah, but then again, they're not a, using the whole villa. No, so it's yeah. it's, it's just it's like weird. It's, it's, man. Yeah, it has a really weird vibe where you can still feel really remin- reminiscence of yeah. colonialism. Yeah. And yeah. one of the guys that we we interviewed to see if we wanted him on camera because all of these stories we had to f- source them underground and we had yeah. about one day mm-hmm. per story that we needed to film so we needed to find one talk to him real quick yeah. and then essentially like have him tell whatever they wanted to say yeah. <laughs> Six and, in post. and 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 that that would be our documentary mm-hmm. yeah um so i really wanted to have an older guy or woman but yeah. we ended up with a with an older man who had seen Congo pre-colonization then seen the Belgians come then seen the Belgians leave mm-hmm. and with that also how this rainforest turned into research facility into mm-hmm. an abandoned town into you know there there are local businesses now there is a little bit of local culture and stuff yeah. so we wanted to tell that story and then we talked to some people and uh, one of the guys actually two of them also the one that we did film yeah. they both said that they would rather have the belgians back yeah, yeah. And that was just such a shock to my system. Yeah, I'm like, it's confronting. I don't know how to deal with this yeah. ethically. Right. Of course, I'm not going to tell you what to think because mm. you are a person. Yeah, yeah. So you are entitled to those opinions. And I, I somehow see where they come from because right. 
you know, the town was over uh, taken by rebels afterwards. Yeah. There was a lot yeah. of violence. Right. Uh, a lot of the destruction also comes from uh, from yeah. the rebels yeah. that, that came and took over. Um, so for them, it was like safety or respect. That Those were the like yeah. two dilemmas. Yeah. And but it's such, yeah. Yeah, but it really felt so wrong to hear yeah. a person say that. Yeah. And but know like that you also have to somehow respect his sentiment. I, well, I, I get it, but at the same time, let's not forget that the acute violence that is there now is because we fucked it up. Absolutely. And that and that yeah. is something that is yeah. easy to forget in the but grand scheme of daily life. And yeah. it's such a valuable place. Of There's course. so much Dude, stuff there they could that have an everybody wants. Yeah, yeah, Everybody wants what's in the ground in Congo. The yeah. whole world wants. I mean, yeah. fuck, look around in this room. The amount of stuff that's laying around here yeah. full of, like, Congolese minerals, yeah. it's insane. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so Absolutely. I, but I've run into that a lot in that part of the world is that the really the older generation, the ones that you said have, like, experienced those multiple transitions, mm -hmm. I've heard that being said a lot, like we miss the colonial days and it is hard to hear. It's like yeah. almost, it, it sucks to hear almost because you're like, Oh fuck. Like really? Like that's well, I didn't hear it in Kinshasa. In Kinshasa, it was really more of like an yeah. anti-Belgian sentiment, which I get. Yeah, 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 <laughs> but yeah, that yeah. was like staying too long in one place, yeah. attracting too much attention yeah. and really people just coming and air their grievance. And yeah, Cities are yeah. always more outspoken and quote unquote yeah. liberal than the rural areas. But sometimes also it's sometimes it's just more education. Maybe yeah, they just oh, know more yeah. about yeah, the yeah, bad yeah. things that happened. And yeah. Yangambi, I'm not gonna say that bad stuff didn't happen there. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I just don't know enough about it. But it was a research facility with, for example, the guy that we filmed. He was a librarian. Mm -hmm. yeah. So he had a respectable job. He had, he job. had, yeah. he had good yeah. uh, personal relationships with the Belgian pe people there. Yeah. Uh, and for him, on a very personal level, that might have been a, a, an okay experience. Yeah. Yeah. But that's Somebody a, yeah. else will have a completely different experience. 100%. I mean, he was showing us the photos of his friends who had died in the resistance. Yes. So he, like, even though he was saying all these things about the time that he missed when things were stable, mm -hmm. at the same time, he was showing us the photos of his friends who had fallen yeah. for the freedom of the place. Right, right, right. Yeah, but then they had fallen because they were killed by rebels. Yeah, they, they were. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. again, I, yeah, yeah. I think for him personally, it's yeah. just... And everybody looks at it personally, and, yeah, and that yeah. place is so yeah. cut off from the rest of the world. Yeah, yeah. but like, and that it, I, it was fascinating because it was, it was this place that was like, it looked like Jurassic, straight out of Jurassic Park. Yeah, um, the people were unbelievably kind as always so kind. in that mm -hmm. part of the world, and definitely when you go into the bush. Um, but then we're walking around, we're looking for stories, we're doing the ultimate urbex. Um, there's two things I want to specifically address. Uh, let's talk about the urbex. So there was this one thing where we were filming this uh, house that was rumored to be our previous king's residence when he visited this place. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Albert <laughs> the first? I think so, yeah. Baudouin, uh, I think. No, yes, Baudouin. Baudouin. You'd yeah. Historian, you tell the us. The one before Albert the second? 
I, well, I, I think they both wise, were there, yeah. and the the tree was visited by Baldwin because uh, that is on picture, and then the oh, house yeah. is a little bit contested. Yeah. yeah. But so we were <laughs> we were filming this like piece on camera where Annalene was introducing the house and it's this it was it was an experiment because yeah, totally. i wasn't supposed to host anything we yeah. were just we yeah. had like half an hour of time it's so weird that like every minute that we had a free time in congo mm -hmm. we still filmed yeah, we, yeah. we we just filmed different things but right. we still filmed and not knowing if we were ever gonna use it totally but yeah you told me yeah Let's to, just open the door. Yeah. Let's just like, go in. There's nobody in there. Nobody let's do a presentation. To, just yeah. talk to the Might camera. Well. <laughs> yeah, you could do it. Yeah. You could totally hold it. YOLO. And you did an amazing job. And so we opened the door <laughs> and there's this like this like African bush sized rat yeah. that just oh, shows up man. and starts going like through the thing. Yeah. And I'm just I'm trying to turn the camera to get the rat on the lane, screams and like runs to the side <laughs> of the room. And like the rat just goes and goes like out of there. Was this like a popo sized rat? No, not no, like that. Not no, that. No, no. Okay, okay, okay. It was like it was a decent sized rat, rat, but it wasn't yeah, it wasn't okay. one of those like it didn't look a lot rats. different from Brussels rats. Yeah. Like same yeah. size. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's true. But it's just, you it's know, true. you you meet an animal in the middle of the bush <laughs> oh in Africa. It immediately and it was dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was dark. <laughs> Especially if you're not expecting anything and then suddenly you're confronted with a vermin. Yeah. It was it was pretty but that was a fun that was just a fun little side thing that we were doing with the ultimate urbex. But then there was this other thing that challenged my that challenged me because and we've talked about this before peter is that like uh is food yeah uh, and that same night that we had done the prep and realized okay we're not going to take ourselves too seriously there were researchers or belgians who we knew coming back from yangambi mm -hmm. yeah. to go back to kinshasa yeah and they were staying at the same place and i personally knew these people because yeah. they had helped me prep and i have like on in the archive i have 20 emails back and forth so what else do we need do we need mosquito nets <laughs> uh do we need a specific mosquito repellent or just normal one what about weather conditions how big is the humidity <laughs> like <laughs> they were better than google because they go there once or twice or three times a year yeah. to do their research yeah and I really remember like asking them three times, is there anything else I haven't asked, but you might feel is important yeah. to tell us? No. Oh. no okay. So we're in Kisangani. <laughs> it's the night before we leave to Yangambi in the tropics and we meet them yeah. uh, and they're having dinner and we're having dinner. And uh, all of a sudden Nils, who's the researcher, is like, oh, so where are you staying? We're like, oh, you know, we talked about this. Emmanuel, who was our translator at the mm -hmm. time, fixed it for us. It's, it's at a parachute. And yeah. they were staying there as well. And then he goes, well, how much food did you bring? Oh, no. We're like, what? Uh, we're like, shit. wait, food? food? <laughs> <laughs> what? By that time, we knew that the markets had closed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We had gotten the last little things. Um, and then he's like, yeah, uh, the cook at the place yeah. uh doesn't like cooking she is oh. not a cook uh. she hates it yeah. she, she wanted a different job but then they gave her that job yeah so food is going to be horrible yeah yeah and half of it you're not allowed to eat because you know you're going to get sick yeah yeah some of it is legitimately also bush meat it's yeah bush meat 
Yes. It's probably that rat that was running around the house. Yeah, or that yeah. bat that started the Ebola thing, or yeah. What, yeah, I don't like when they said this to me. Like my yeah. mind was just going, oh fuck, 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 fuck. Like, cause, <laughs> and not that I'm like, not that I want food that much. I'm not that like busy. No, but with, you like, need good, something in you your need, stomach. Yeah. You need to be able to eat because these are you're talking about the heat is is like and the humidity is yeah. insane. Yeah. Like you sweat out everything yeah. in a day. Mm-hmm. Like it, that's that's the kind of place where you sweat so much that you don't pee. Yeah, right, right. Um, and it's 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 intense. And if you it's do pee, it's like days. neon yellow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. And so we then, like, we do the boat ride. We show up to the place. We do the urbexing. And then in the evening, I mean, this is, I'm kind of compressing this all in, like, m- like a smaller period of time. But it, then we went to the place where we were staying. And n- every night, and I think it was 10, 10 nights we were there in total? Nine. Nine. Yeah. Um Every night, Annalena and I had had a like a really intense day of work, like physically, mentally mm-hmm. challenging, challenging you to your limit, like really pushing you to your limit. And we yeah. wouldn't have lunch either, no, because yeah, we yeah. would leave in the morning and come yeah. back at night, so Damn. no lunch. And this is like for that kind of production, that's normal. Like you don't, because yeah. also you like you're, if you're having lunch, like you can't just like whip out your sandwiches when yeah, you're yeah, like, right, mm, right. Just, you don't do it. Um, and so we show up to the place for dinner and every night it was the same thing like Annalena and I are like okay we got this like you can do this we can get first it is like look at what's <laughs> in the pot and what yeah. are we actually allowed to eat yeah. I remember one day it was potatoes I was so happy yeah. but <laughs> most of it it was rice but yeah. then you know it's cooked in the in the water of the Congo yeah. River yeah and in the first day of shooting on the river uh that researcher who we filmed talked about how any microbes and bacteria oh, yeah, there yeah, are in yeah, the rivers yeah, sure. yeah. and that you should really not cook with it yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's rice and we're like eh, you know yeah. how long did she cook it is everything yeah, clean yeah, enough yeah, yeah, yeah. and what then sometimes there was some shit uh fish, fish. yeah fish yeah. we were not allowed to eat that sometimes no. there was bush meat not allowed to eat that. definitely not allowed to eat that <laughs> And then there was like weird vegetables. Yeah. Super bitter. It's that like what's the spinachy stuff? You know oh, it. Yeah, that yeah, really yeah, yeah, bitter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. uh, what's the name again? Spinachy uh, stuff. Oh, what's um, it called again? Kiki. Yeah, I forget what it is, but everyone Shut who knows up. that region yeah. knows yeah, what we're talking what about. Yeah, yeah. And okay. then they usually eat it with like these little these little dried fish. So it's just yeah, like not little. really a flavor profile that I'm a fan of. Mm. Like really fishy mixed with really bitter. I mean, there's a reason they load that stuff with spicy food and then wash it down with some really strong local alcohol. Yeah. Because it's just, you know. Yeah. And then there's like, there are like bland beans, like kind of beans beans. that weren't, just didn't have much taste. Yeah. Um, And then like sometimes you get plantains or something, but it was all like different like combinations of all Mm. these things. But so there was never, you never had the food at the end of a. Well, you never had the food at the end of a long and hard day mm-hmm. that would, like, sustain you or your yeah. your mental or physical like like state. And especially <laughs> yeah. the mental, like um, that's a huge part. Like physical, yeah. you can power through hunger. Yeah. Like you'll rice feel and weak. beans. You can just fucking yeah, you can yeah. Yeah. and it'll fill you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thing is, yeah. we were never filled because there were no. so many things on the table oh, that we yeah. couldn't eat. Yeah, yeah. Right. we were right. never really filled. No, and you all you also had like these like portions that were and there were a bunch of people at the table yeah. like all these other researchers. So you couldn't right. just like load up on one thing. <laughs> yeah. You had to like take like your one spoon and yeah. Um, and I just remember every night it was just such like a, I would like Annalena and I would sit across from each other mm-hmm. and we'd start with all the motivation in the world and by the end 
you'd just be so drained. You'd yeah. be like, fuck and shit, man. Like this yeah. is, I can't like, you're just like, is food, does food really define me this much? Like, am I really, <laughs> is this really defining how it happy will, I am? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and we never really thought about complaining because we we thought that no. was just, you know, the region. Yeah, and it's dry, it's dry yeah. season, so there are not a lot of vegetables. Yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah, exactly. And there is maybe not a lot of things. Uh, meat, like chicken. Did yeah. we have yeah. chicken? I don't think so. No, but that's no, crazy. Yeah. Eggs, I don't think we had eggs. No. But again, like... I wasn't going to complain because, you know, you're hardcore or yeah, you right, want right. to think that you are. <laughs> yeah. uh, until one day our driver who stayed at a different place mm-hmm. said, so, said something in the lines of like, oh, I forgot to tell what I would like to have for dinner this morning at breakfast. I'm like, wait, mm-hmm. please say that sentence again. Yeah. It's like, while I was having breakfast, I forgot to tell the people what I would like to have for mm-hmm. dinner. Oh. And we were sitting in that car like, what do you mean tell what you want? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, potatoes or rice. We're like, there's what? potatoes here? <laughs> <You can order>? <laughs> <laughs> and, and there's toys and there's food. Yeah. <laughs> and he was just staying at another place. It was, it was just, it was place just with across a cook the hill. That does like cooking. Yeah, that yeah. kind of did yes. like cooking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> And it was, and like, and another thing in this whole thing was like, because people would come in, like there would be like, you know, a pot of Nutella. Oh. Um, and this was, this brings me on to one of the craziest things that happened on that whole trip for me personally was that the first time we showed up at the place we were staying, mm-hmm. we were sh- doing the schlep, doing the fucking schlep, the schlep. grabbing the things yep. out of the four by four and like going mm-hmm. into the, where's the room? And, um, and I see like this shape like a shape of a, like a silhouette of a person that I recognize it. Mm -hmm. And I like, I walk and I'm going, I'm following it. And I'm like, I got to figure out what this, why this is like triggering something in my memory. Cause I couldn't really place it yet. I was like, yeah. And I go into the room and I see, I see this guy I know. And I'm like, Guillaume. (laughs) And he's like, Thomas? (laughs) Thomas? <laughs> and I'm standing there like, <laughs> yeah, what the fuck yeah. is happening? Like, how does he know the name? Alain <laughs> was like, what is it? He doesn't speak any French. What's going on? <laughs> uh, but like, and it was Guillaume from Dar yeah. that yeah. we went to high school with in Damn. Tanzania, who Damn. was at that moment living in Mexico City. Yeah. So to yeah. me, I was like, what are you what? doing here? <laughs> what are you doing here? <laughs> um, and so we spent the we spent the whole night having beers and catching up. Yeah. And he was doing a research project on um, like microeconomics and stuff Damn. like that, which ended him up in Yangambi. And it was and just I fell in love with him. Yeah, for it's one true. reason. His French. Oh, okay. He had food. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that'll do it. He had canned tuna. That'll do it. He had oh, canned tuna. <laughs> and he had Nutella. Ooh, the Nutella yeah. we shared. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But he was he was really nice because like he like because he was leaving a couple days after we arrived. Yeah, and he like left us some stuff. Like he's like the Nutella he couldn't leave for like us yeah. because it was on the table at breakfast. Yeah, right, right. That was a thing he had run. So like, and that was again one of those things you can't like you can't take your knife and like gouge into the Nutella no. and take no. out like you got to take like Skin a little the top. Thing, like, yeah. Thing. Um, but then like when he left. He um he left us a can of tuna, yeah. and I, it was one of those moments where I I maybe I judge myself a little bit, like in the future now, um but like Annalena and I after all these days of working hard and having shitty dinners and all this stuff mm-hmm. at the end of the thing, 
on the last day, like the celebratory last thing, night. we mm-hmm. were like, okay, we're going to open that can of tuna. Mm-hmm. Because like, mind you, like if you look at picture yeah. of your brother during that time, yeah. he lost approximately a kilo a yeah, day. Yeah, he yeah. doesn't have a lot of weight to he lose. Doesn't. <laughs> no, no, he doesn't. He no, doesn't. No. Like for me, it could have been like a good weight loss program, <laughs> but for Thama, it was, it was just like... Malnutrition. <laughs> fading away. <laughs> it's so, true. When we come back, we always do a little bit like uh, doing the backups of, yeah. of of all the footage first, and and then we 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 take a break. So we're sitting in my room, <laughs> which was the media room as yeah. well, with this canned tuna in the middle of the of yeah. the of the little table yeah. in between us, oh and we're looking man. at it. We're like, well, it's gonna be dinner time soon. Yes, do you think we should go? For we should the... take it yeah. to the dining room where there's <laughs> other people <laughs> and <laughs> yeah we ate it we ate yeah it. in we ate the it. room yeah, without anything else no just, just no, no, dry no. can tuna yeah. like just and there's something satisfying about when you eat tuna like your mouth gets kind of dry and it like it's it, like, it, like the, it's uh, I but i kind of feel it now yeah yeah like but like it, it peaks yeah. the flavor as well like you yeah. know when you stuff that in your mouth and you're eating it and then like it yeah there's there's like a, a savory ass i love canned tuna it's oh, one of my and favorites the protein like you could just yeah. feel finally i'm getting something yeah. substantial <laughs> in me that's gonna sustain yeah. me a little bit yeah it was and those those instances especially also of of meeting somebody that you know in the middle of nowhere oh my god dude that was because i have i have like a similar story of of how small the fucking world is um when i was living in new york i had a friend of mine from belgium come to visit new york and i lived like 20 minutes outside the city but visiting the city was like a hassle and so you wouldn't do it that often but because my friend was here i thought Mm. okay you know we'll go to but i had class in the morning and he's like you know what i'm just gonna go to the city let's say we meet at times square at that time like his phone didn't work in the state so we just i said you know the the steps on times square at that time you know that hour be there so I show up at Times Square at the time. He's not at on the stairs, so I'm like, okay, like I'll just I'll just do a little lap around, you know. I'll I'll come mm. back in a minute, and I'm walking just Times Square. Two million people pass by Times Square every single day, so it's like the exact opposite of a research yeah, yeah. center in in the middle of nowhere of Congo. Yeah. Um, and all of a sudden, the the parents of my high school sweetheart of my my girlfriend in high school they walk out of a store. Now. I was living in New York. I never went to the city. I happened to be in the city. They, at the time, were living in Cairo. So they had just, they weren't even, like, they were doing a road trip from Niagara Falls, I think, down to Washington, D.C. or something. Happened to pass by New York. Happened to say, well, let's go into the city for a second. So just another example of, of just how in the world have all of my decisions that I've made up until this point lead to this, where I run into my ex-girlfriend's Dutch parents who live in Cairo in New York. Yeah. So <laughs> it's crazy. And and like the thing in, in, in Yangambi when I met Guillaume was that like, Guillaume is also the guy like in high school when we did all like the trips, the school trip. I climbed Kilimanjaro with Guillaume. Yeah, yeah, I went scuba diving with there. Guillaume. We yeah. did all these like adventure things together. Yeah, yeah. And then I meet him and it was like, it was like we hadn't been apart right. because we spent. It was very cute. To it, see. Well, yeah, we it was yeah, we were just so cute. A good time. <laughs> we were it was such a good yeah. time. And especially when you're go- talk about like mental boost, 
Like yeah. you, you, you combine the food aspect with the, you know, reconnecting of an old friend in the middle of a place like mm. that. It's going to it's going to have it's going to do wonders for your for your mental, yeah. mental well, sanity. I, I, I don't know how our mental state was at a time because I cannot remember being very beaten down by it. No, but pr- we probably were. I, I think that was around the time when um, Rudy and. Oh yeah, they, they called and they said they weren't gonna yeah. come. Yeah, so we were plunged into like, well, it was kind of the same, more of the same. It was just like, okay, problem, adapt. Like yeah. it was, we were in yeah. that mindset, and so we just had to. We were restructuring the story constantly. Yeah. Like you were restructuring. I was just making the shots. <laughs> like I'm not gonna take any credit for that. Um, but it was, and it was just, it was a fascinating time because then we spent time with the, the the. The guy who was developing the biopesticides, yeah, which I found super really cool fascinating, yeah. very like, interesting. He's story. just getting stuff from from there and yeah. like using it to like spray his banana plants and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's a pesticide, but yeah. it's just like a biologically developed. It was crazy. It's yeah. like that's the kind of thing. Like what? Like why? What? Jeez. Like, yeah, and especially talking about banana plants. Like yeah. there are only so many banana diseases. Yeah, yeah. but if they spread on a global level like we do not have any bananas left oh no immediate collapse of all bananas because they're all clones they're all clones of each other that's a big problem here now in belgium is most of the trees that are planted in the cities are all clones of each other and there is right now most of the discoloration that happens in the fall has nothing to do with fall discoloration it's a fungus on the leaves like it's a fungus that's attacking the leaves yeah 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 so you're like in i I know in 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 kortrijk like all the trees that go along here in brussels most of the trees that line the the thing now in the fall take a look at the leaves this is not just a regular discoloration they're just breaking down wow yeah yeah yeah, yeah. interesting yeah interesting. which wow. is not we um, don't have to go to yangambi to learn new no. things i guess no you can be our research no. facility yeah, yeah dude little oh bit old, so many little bit like now. ants dude do you know that ants have antibiotics no i did not ants wow. create antibiotics by taking the sap from like evergreen trees like yeah. uh, uh-huh. like pine trees and stuff like that, they mix it with the folic acid in their pincers. What? And that creates an antibiotic that they then spread on all the larvae to keep them healthy. Dude, what? ants, bro. Ants have air conditioning. They have highways. They have suburbs in their cities. Yeah, we think we're so smart. Dude, we, <laughs> know, we think we're so nothing. smart. We, we are so small nothing. compared to <laughs> yeah, ants. Bro. Yeah, bro. That's a, the, our our like only that. fault is the ability to question. Like, it's our it's our greatest asset and our biggest fault. Ants just fucking follow. It's like, oh, I need to die for the queen okay and just do mm-hmm. it belgians are like you know i don't know if my rights are being infringed on <laughs> if i have to go do this like i don't i don't agree with this you know it's it causes like a whole a whole problem so yeah it's our greatest asset and our biggest flaw but anyway yeah yeah but so like and these stories in young Gambi, it was just it was so like we went to the primary forest like that was my mm, favorite yeah. day that was my yeah. favorite day when we yeah. said we're going to an OG forest in yeah. the heart of yeah. Congo. That's, that's like awesome. a that's a dream. Man. That's cradle that of life fucking shit, man. Dream. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you, obviously, the planet has had at some point, yeah, not had forests yeah. probably, right, right, right. yeah, yeah. But that is so far back yeah. that yeah. this is like. This has always been here. This is like yeah. older than yeah. This is than millions of years. I don't know. It's just it's yeah. it's crazy. And you were telling me as well, Tompi, that this is where like the 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 researchers in the place started noticing like the effects of climate change on these forests. They were they were being affected yeah. somehow. That's yeah. all. I, that's kind yeah. of all I can recall now. And that 
I, I just found it interesting that you know the 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 climate center that was set up in the colonial time was mm-hmm. all well the the research center that was set up yeah. in the colonial time was already talking about climate and the yeah. change yes. in the climate yeah. and how it was affecting yeah. the biodiversity of the place. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and we heard the, uh, there was these other crazy stories like our Emmanuel told me this story about this and there's apparently a documentary about this about this guy from Yangambi who had found these plants that he could create a medicine with that worked very well yeah. for malaria. Oh, okay. And not like Malarone or any of that. Yeah. But, and apparently there's this whole story about him as a doctor, he has this medicine for malaria and he's taking it to like Pfizer and all these guys mm-hmm. like say like, I have this thing for you. And it's like this, it's the David versus Goliath story, yeah. but the one where apparently David lost. Yeah. Like apparently he didn't get it through the pharmaceutical processes to turn yeah. it into an actual medicine, but it's still there. It's called yeah. uh, Artemnesia is the name of the plant. Oh shit. Okay. Um, so yeah, anybody smarter than me can look that up and uh, tell me if <laughs> yeah. I'm, tell me if I'm. Yeah. But even with red regular medication that we do take, like yeah. so much of it has some roots in the For rainforest. Sure. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there yeah, was yeah, the yeah. Egyptians used a certain plant as birth control, and they used it so much that they made the plant go extinct. Oh wow! Because they didn't have a way to 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 make it an artificial or a synthetic product. Like oh, a lot yeah. of what we do is we take the processes that these natural things do, and then we, as in the Western world, everything has to work in a lab. Everything has to work in a vacuum in a spherical bowl in order for it to be correct, <laughs> quote unquote. Even as we heard in a previous podcast, our psychedelic drugs, yeah, need yeah, to be like. Like in order made to, in a lab, yeah. In order to, to gain legitimacy, taking them, yeah. yeah, yeah. And the effects need to be quantifiable, and you need to mm. be able to medically prove that these have a benefit in order for it to be accepted. It's just a product of our society. It's a product of our times. But I think we're slowly starting to realize that, like, oh shit, wait, maybe you don't have to synth- like certain things can be synesthesi- synthesized uh, for, for, for better or for worse, but some things just need to... You can't be quantified. They can't no. be objectified. They need to remain a little bit in like the spiritual, artistic, emotional side mm. of things. And, in, and But and this was the... And speaking of like spiritual, artistic, and emotional side of things, when we were going through... And this was like... This was the jungle as you as you imagine it. Like mm-hmm. This was like... like green stuff just finds everywhere and you have to like kind of we were the, we had this guy and at certain points he had to hack with his machete through the thing yeah. so we could like walk through and pass mm. with the camera yeah. and and um, then i felt bad because i was like oh we're destroying yeah. it and he turned around and he's like this is going to be overgrown in a yeah. week yeah then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and so and then we got the shots in that place but it was that day i'll never forget i'll never forget yeah. that day yeah um, because that it was, was just such a day. it was like that's what you do it for it's yeah, traipsing right. through the jungle yeah. with like a, a camera and a backpack yeah. and yeah. Mm-hmm. it was awesome. It's the classic. Once you say to somebody, it's like, oh, I'm going to Congo to film a documentary. The first thing <laughs> they think of is the dude in front of you with the machete hacking <laughs> through shit and you got the camera bag on you and all that stuff. That's the immediate image that comes yeah. to mind. So, yeah. yeah. And, yeah we, and I, I'm happy that we, because one of my big goals before we left was to show the different faces or the different lives yeah. that people are leading in Congo. And I do think that we yeah, we, we, we did a good job at that. Mm-hmm. We we had some street children but yeah. that are doing radio and stuff, like informing each other about their rights and health yeah. and stuff like that. And then yeah. we have female boxers, we have traditional medicine. Yeah. Uh, we have so many things, uh, contemporary and more old school 
But then mm. we also do have this one scene that feels like so yeah. <laughs> back to basics. Yeah. That so is really like cool. Heart of Congo. Yeah. Yeah, the beating heart of the of the world, yeah. actually, like the 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 sub-Saharan rainforests, and you know, it's that band that is it the Tropic of Cancer? Is that the, like the band across the Earth where like most of the it's the equatorial band, isn't it? Oh, uh, it might be that's around yeah. the equator. Yeah, that from like Asia to Africa to South America, that that's where most of your tropical mm-hmm. tropical yeah. rainforests exist. But yeah. and it was just and that whole experience in Yangambi, that was when we embraced that chaos and when we went through all that. I think. We also had a lot of fun doing it. Yeah, like we it did. It was really did. intense, but we also had, and we, and the, like the, we also, and I think that was just because how how you and I functioned in that, like we were always just happy to follow, like the guidance of the people there. Yeah, mm-hmm. but because we yeah. also realized that we're coming in here from outside, like yeah. we're not gonna try to impose a way or a thing or we're just going to kind of go with this um which is i think a a very nice uh metaphor for life in general is embrace the chaos yeah don't be afraid of it try and you know ride it through because not everything can be put into a box not everything can be planned ahead of time there Mm. are things going to come your way that are going to throw everything Mm. through the ringer um and if if you resist that it's going to be more difficult you're not going to stop the wave you gotta you know loosey-goosey and roll through the wave yeah and then also you're kind of like changing the story i get that with documentary you you want to know who you're gonna film and what you're gonna say and stuff like that but that was undoable in the time frame that we had um so it's either we're going to congo and we are gonna tell the story Mm -hmm. or it was the complete opposite which is not very often used in in journalism and that is just we are gonna go there we have the gear yeah and you tell your story right i think that is what we did more because we did not have the preparation time we did not even have the enough knowledge of the region of the language of the so it was really just like we went there and then we just asked questions yeah like can you talk us or can you tell anything about this subject Mm -hmm. but then whatever you want to say yeah. it's your story yeah. yeah that was nice yeah and it was also like in the medium also allowed for that like mm. the 360 medium it's like you can let a thing it's more mise-en-scene than, than observation yeah yes. it's yeah. more like a you just yeah. gotta let it happen yeah. set things up and then let them happen yeah, yeah. Um, and then let the story be interpreted instead of being told mm. yeah. yeah and 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 uh, in 360 video, the location is also a character. Yes. And, yeah. And that place, yeah. that was that was easy for us. That was yeah. not mm-hmm. hard in any way yeah. um, to let the location speak for yeah. itself. It's the Beyonce of locations. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Diverse, versatile. Badonkadonk. Badonkadonks. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and Peter's got some cutting to do. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, you want to see what Annalena and I made in Congo, you can check it out at the Afrika Museum in Tervuren, in, which is near yeah. Brussels in Belgium. Yeah. We just kind of restructured uh, the VR uh, glasses thing there so it should be good to go in a couple weeks time so be yeah, sure to and check go out. check out that museum. I know that there's a whole bunch of like uh, of of 
controversy. Controversy, stigma attached to it, but it is an absolutely fantastic museum. After they've done like they've they've renovated a whole bunch of it, they've they've really made it. It's actually a fantastic museum, just purely on on a, a natural history level. The amount of yeah. uh, the amount of stuff that's there from from our our colonial past, be it you know not good, but our colonial past. Um, needs to be talked about. We need yeah. to know what happened. You can't shove it under a, a box or under a rock and be like, eh, you know, just, just not talk about that. We need to talk about it. Break it open. Talk about it. Don't be a dick. That's the motto of our show. Go do that at the at the Africa Museum. Yeah. Go learn some stuff. The first um, Belgian was vaccinated while we were doing this podcast. Oh, cool. All right. Yeah. Well, there you go. There you go. Also, the congrats. A lot yeah. of yeah, <laughs> a lot of people you know shit on vaccinations and stuff, and I understand the apprehension, especially when it happened this quick. But if you do just even the, the most minimal level of research, you realize that the amount of resources that went to creating this vaccine, even the testing, like people are like I've been for so long. The only thing I will agree on is the long term effects. We don't know the long term effects, no, but people no. started fucking vaping anything they could get into their lungs <laughs> as an alternative to smoking before any long term thing. So if you can fucking start. Fair enough. Sucking on a cloud machine, like you know, <laughs> you can take a vaccine, like fuck and it. And even like, iPhones cares? and just smartphones in general, we yeah. do yeah. not know what social those media. It's no. Tristan Harris's thing about like it's the supercomputer, like pointed at your face, yeah. and yeah. we don't give a shit. Like we, we have don't. no idea. So, so why we're all of a sudden starting to care about the long term effects now? Like fucking, what are the long term effects of drinking soda every single day? I don't know. You or know, about cutting down trees? Cutting down yeah. trees. <laughs> fucking yeah. making everything out of plastic like yeah. you know taking the car to go to the bakery dude yeah. there's so many things so so to use that as an argument now like i understand it as an argument but then you got to start applying that to everything so yeah. so you know the vaccine and all that stuff also mrna instead of like introducing disease and stuff like do a little bit of research before you start spouting off the the the, the talking points yeah and i think one of the most baseline things just to add to that as yeah. well is that like because a lot of people who i talk to are like mm, a little apprehensive like mm, some people have to try this before if a vaccine is tested and approved it's been yeah. administered to yeah. tens of thousands of people yeah. of varying ages and backgrounds and genetics right. so right. it's not like the first person like the people on camera like today getting the vaccines are yeah. literally like the tested people that's <laughs> right. not how it works no. like this has no. been approved and it works yeah <laughs> and especially in europe our guidelines are so fucking stringent like there's yeah. a reason like we're we're so slow at these things is because of all the checkpoints in yeah in the way mm. before it come, rolls out so you can have some fair confidence in the fact that this has at least been been checked and triple and quadruple checked and the poll dancers have started yeah, again. Yes. <laughs> so i think so, it's a good time to um, last question that we ask all of our guests oh. uh, and that we talk about as well is are you uh, are you oh, consuming yeah. any content visually books music sh tv shows movies anything that you would like to recommend to uh, our audience that they should read listen to watch whatever yeah for sure um I am currently uh, prepping a magazine. Mm -hmm. It's gonna be all about queerness. Okay. Uh, so there's a lot of books that I'm that I'm reading about that. One of them is an essay, and normally I don't re uh, read essays um, because you never, I never feel like like when I read <laughs> you can buy books of essays. Yeah. But it's I think, and I I, I agree with you is that like when you read like that something is an essay, you're just like. I don't want to read that. Yeah. No, it's just no. an assignment like that somebody yeah. <laughs> like, I don't want to read this. 
but but this one is super cool because it's it's about bisexuality. Yeah. I am bisexual, but it still <laughs> taught me a lot and gave me insights that may have been lingering, but somebody else was now able to put it into oh, yeah. words in yeah, very right. nice words. Right. Nice. It's called uh, "Go the way your blood, f- your heart beats." Okay, okay. I think All so. Right. Yeah. Um, and then we are currently sitting in the podcast studio of Are We Europe, which yeah. is a place where I work two days a week. Nice. Uh, and that is a quarterly magazine. Uh, but more than a magazine for our members, we yeah. have a monthly surprise, be it a multimedia story, a oh, nice cool. podcast, or also analog surprises. Yeah. So it will be printed. Uh, but it's on a different format than yeah. a magazine. So that really mm-hmm. challenges okay. me to be creative with wow. how can stories be told. Yeah. That yeah. is something that is so cool. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm really excited about as well. Yeah. yeah. That's nice. awesome. Tompi, what do you got? Uh, you go first. I'm going to think about this for a little bit. Okay. Um, yeah, I got one. Uh, for anybody who's interested in uh, the First World War at all, um, I received, I, I think I had the most old man Christmas gift round of all time because I got slippers, a cast iron skillet, and war memoirs. So I'm just an 80-year-old man at heart. Um, but w- the book I got was Ernst Jünger's uh, Storm of Steel which is a, a, a memoir about the First World War from a German standpoint. Okay. Because usually you read anything about the First World War, you talk about the Allies and the quote-unquote good guys because everything that happened in the Second World War, considering Germany completely shadows any of the maybe quote-unquote good intentions that they had in the First World War, um, you know, basically becoming the bad guys in a war that they never wanted to actually start. And then it all just kind of went to shit. So it's really interesting to read that from a German perspective, where when you read about the enemy, quote unquote, that that's the British and the French instead of the other way around. Um, very matter of fact, very well written, uh, not too uh, not too self-indulgent. Uh, so, yeah, Ernst Jünger's Storm of Steel for all you uh, World War One nerds out there. And I, <laughs> I watched a movie on on Netflix recently that I really liked. Uh, it was uh, War Dogs. Oh, dude, fantastic! Yeah, with, with uh, Jonah Hill and the kid from Whiplash. What's yeah, his name again? Morgan, Whiplash. Morgan, yeah. Morgan, something. I forgot I don't his know. name. But yeah, but it's a great movie about these two like kids who get into like online like arms dealing. Yeah, and they get really good at it. But it's yeah, it's it's a really cool story yeah. and a really nice insight into this yeah. into yeah. this like really shady world of like yeah. private contractors and American arms deals. And yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I have a I have a lot of friends who are uh, anti arms lobby activists. Yeah. Whoa. So I wonder if I should watch it with them or yeah. not at all. <laughs> yeah. I it's mean, a good it's a, like it's a really well it's not like it doesn't feel like an american propaganda piece like it definitely feels like a it's a critical like insight yeah it's really it's really good and it's a true story yeah it's a true story it's a true story like it actually happened yeah i know what to do this week do it (laughs) crazy by the way i uh i quickly looked up the correct name of the book yeah uh and the book is called go the way your blood beats okay okay on truth bisexuality and desire okay 
Nice. nice. All right. Well, um, as always, thanks a million for listening, everybody. Uh, talk about it. Don't be a dick. Hit us up <laughs> at LarryAndMonkeySlaw at gmail.com. Leave comments in the Facebook because we do not pay Facebook for advertising. So we need your comments. So we need your comments. Hate preferably. Just <laughs> tell us that we're full of ourselves and you don't want to listen to us anymore because that gets the algorithm going. <laughs> <laughs> and, Annalene, thank you for joining yeah, us thank today. you so much uh, to Annalene. Check out all of her projects and all that stuff. Um, and if you have any questions for, a, uh, for her, again, hit us up in those comments and in the email and we'll uh, get her on the podcast again because I'm sure there's a ton more stories that we could always talk about. Well, oh, thank yeah. you for having me. This has been uh, normally I have a phobia of microphones. Oh, really? I'm really working hard to get over it. Okay. Uh, and this has been a very nice experience. Nice. There nice. You go. Yeah, it's just a conversation. It's just talking. We're just talking. Okay. Oh, uh, nice. All right. Ha, <laughs>